Welcome to A Page in My Journal by the Gate and Board Podcast. Your hosts today are Susie Romans and myself, Shalise Nance. Well, here we are, Susie, on a Sunday night after general conference at the church. How did you enjoy conference, Susie? Well, before I tell you how I enjoyed it, I want to know if you were awake through the whole thing. Yes, I was awake, making sure that my five kids were awake too. Yeah. Your kids are perfect. I know they were listening to every word. Every word. But I did really enjoy it. It was a great conference. Um, I particularly, well, I really liked the girl Saturday night. Um, Tamara Runia, have you say her name? She was amazing. Her talk was fabulous. I did know President Nelson's name. And <laughs> he gave an amazing, hopeful, really marvelous talk uh, today. I thought it was incredibly good. And 20 new temples. Every time, it's amazing. I enjoyed the talk given by Elder Sabin on Saturday night. He shared the story of how his son had cystic fibrosis and was attempting to receive his merit badge for archery. The son, amazingly enough, got a bull's eye target. However, it was on the target next to the one he should have. Gravely, the scout leader recognized his limitations and his capabilities and still awarded him with the merit badge. I couldn't help but think of our very own Eric Aldridge that's here with us tonight. Eric has mentored many boys in our ward with helping them achieve their goals in the scouting program. Eric, it's great to have you here. Oh, glad to be here tonight. Take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, I grew up right here in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Eight kids, one sister, she's the oldest, seven boys. You're like uh, the Osmonds, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Do you sing and dance? Uh, no, no singing and dancing <laughs> from Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was kind of, uh, I definitely was an outside kid. We had a farm up in Louisa County. Um, people don't know that about me normally. Um, had a sawmill, so I loved running equipment oh, on cool. the farm and on the sawmill. That was just uh, what I excelled at, I think. It just came naturally as a very young age. And, uh, you know, just people don't think that about me because I grew up in Henrico County. Yeah. But we spent a lot of time out in Louisa County on uh, our farm. My dad had a couple farms out there, and we cut all the timber off of them. We raised uh, pigs and cattle and um, just had a lot of fun growing up. That's awesome. A lot of hard work, but uh, I, I don't. I know we didn't make him any money. I'm sure he <laughs> lost a lot of money. Uh, but he really, he, I think he truly did it to keep the seven boys busy. in line. Yeah, just yeah. get them busy. Keep doing them out, something. Yeah. Them out of work. Yeah, because yeah, awesome. those in the warden in the state that does know the Aldridge family and the history, uh, they do know that, please, everybody, forgive me for my past. <laughs> um, I'm trying to have a oh, celestial look how, mind look how good now. You turned out, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Eric, we know you grew up, and so who did you marry? Tell us about your current family. You know what? I married. <laughs> I married my best friend. Oh, that's great. Pam Fielding. She she grew up in Norm. We met in college uh, at. Um, it's called UVU now. Okay. And um, I went out there originally to go to BYU and. You know, some finances got in the way. I got a job at UVU, and uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to school here. It's small. Yeah. I'll get my start, and that's what I did. I worked there, and I first met her dad. He worked there at the college, and um, I really started that way. I met her, you know, I don't know, a couple months later, 
uh, he, you know, I was serving banquets. Yeah. And so Pam comes from uh, a family of nine. There's seven kids and the parents. Oh, wow. And it's uh, three girls and four boys and her family. Okay. So big families for the both of us, and um, we did not follow in our parents' <laughs> footsteps. Yes, how's we, that? Yeah, we had two boys, okay. uh, Spencer and Mitchell, um, but they are, you know, definitely picking up the pace. Yeah. They uh, married women, young ladies from California and Oregon. Okay. Met them both at BYU-Idaho, and they both have four kids. Really? Yes. So you are... Grandparents of eight grandchildren? Eight? Yes. Wow, that's exciting. It is it is the best. Wow. As everybody says, you know, I'd have been a grandparent first. <laughs> exactly. Before being a parent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. That's for surviving your teenagers. That's your reward for that surviving is. your teenagers. Yes. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add, Eric? I work in Department of Corrections. Most people may know that. Um, just I, I think it was a calling. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it was. I, I, it wasn't a career I was looking for. And I don't know many people that say, you know what, I'm going to grow up and work in Department of Corrections. That's, you know, the fun thing to do. No, it's, it's not. So once I got in it, I, you know, I was the whole time thinking, you know, I'm going to move on. Yeah. I'm getting another career. I'm just here because I got a job. I got out of gra- uh, grad school from BYU and said, you know, I need a, I need a job. Yeah. So I took this job back here in Virginia, and the whole time I'm just applying to other places. Yeah. And, you know, it took um, a few years, uh, not too long, um, and I finally found, you know what, this is what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah. And um, once I found that out and accepted embraced that, yeah. that this is my calling, I saw all the good that, not through, you know, through me, or by me, but just being part of bringing the gospel to those who are imprisoned, yeah. the downtrodden, who are taking despair. And so uh, that's what I do for a career, and um, I find a lot of purpose in it. That's awesome. So do you work in Goochland? Where is your location? Uh, right now, at? my location is at Beaumont Correctional Center. It's almost in the town of Goochland. You okay. go up towards the town of Goochland, you take a left across the river, and I'm right there. So it's in Powhatan County, but it's really got a Goochland zip code. Okay. So. Well, I just want to say, every Sunday when I see you in church, I'm very happy. I feel very safe when you are in attendance. Well, I'm a, that, that's another blessing of this thing that we want to identify. I'm honored to protect you there, Susie. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We sure do love Eric's family. But so, Eric, what is one of the strangest things that has ever happened to you? Oh, uh, there, there's a number of things uh, working in corrections that uh, not all would be good to share <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but one I will share, it, there was once on my mission, I, this was really strange. On a Sunday night, we were having a discussion at the church yeah. there in Santa Barbara, and um, we were walking home. It was only maybe a two-mile walk. It wasn't far. But in the, our apartment was right off the main strip, State Street in Santa Barbara. Okay. So we'd walk through this alley back to our apartment between these businesses. So we're walking. It's dark. And again, it's Sunday night. Nobody's out. And we see this figure coming up the sidewalk on the commercial side of the road. And we can tell this figure is not doing well. 
they're staggering okay. on the road. <laughs> and I'm, the whole time I'm picking up my pace. I finally got close <laughs> enough this was a female. So you could tell it was a female coming. And uh, my companion and I, were, I mean, we're picking the pace up because we know we got to turn down this alley to get to the apartment. And I was like, we got to beat this person. Yeah. You know, this is a strange incident. We could tell she's, you know, she's been, she's tipsy. Yeah. She's been tipping the bottle. <laughs> and uh, it was right there at the turn. I was about to turn in the alley and she leaps on me. <laughs> Literally just wraps her arms around me and says, brother, are you saved? You know, and I'm, <laughs> and my, I think my companion's in shock. You know, I'm like, Get off of me. <laughs> Let go of me. You know? This is not part of the white handbook. <laughs> no, it was, I was like, and, you know, I can't remember it all, but I just, you know, kind of took her off, grabbed her arms to, you know, push her back off of me. I said, yes, I am saved. I am saved and heading home. What can we do to help you tonight? And uh, she said, you know, I can't. She was fine, stumbling and, you know, just getting her off. And leading her up the sidewalk wherever she was going is all I wanted to do. Yeah. And then we got to our apartment. Just that was uh, that was a strange one. Yeah. On yeah. A Sunday night. Yeah. That was a strange incident. So. Well, now we're gonna turn a little more serious. Um, tell us at what times in your life do you think you were the happiest, and tell us why. You know what? I I think uh, right now I'm the happiest. I've learned that over the years. Uh, when I was, you know, younger, newly married, I'd think at times, geez, if I was only this, yeah. or if I was only back at this state, I'd be happier. And finally learned, and I, I, th I think a lot of it had to do with, or has to do with my job, working in corrections. And I, I am very blessed to go into corrections each day and see people who are working through despair. Um, I work with inmates that have been incarcerated for 45 years and are not getting out unless the parole board grants their release. Yeah. So for years they've been going up for parole and they get disappointed. And I think about, you know, how do they manage that year after year? And so I, I have a, a very strong appreciation for where I am now and the blessings I do enjoy. So I, that's why I say I'm blessed now. I'm happy now. Um, I, I don't think about when I could have been happier or what I could do to be happier. I really do appreciate the time and the place I'm in. Yeah, that's great. So. Well, it feels great to have purpose in your job, to feel have purpose and to feel like you're making a difference in somebody's life and then in turn it blesses your life to appreciate all the goodness you do have. How do you help an individual that you mentioned that you know who maybe has been in for 45 years or however many years that does not get parole and you can see they're so I would think downtrodden are you allowed to have an impact in their life to discuss with them or are you more of a person that just watches like how much interaction would you have with a person like that? Um, I, I have a lot of interaction. I, I'll sit down and talk to them in their, in their pod. We call them a pod where they live. They have their cell. Um, I'll sit in there and, you know, and I'll ask them, you know, are you a person of faith? Yeah. And do you mind if we talk about some faith-inspiring messages? Yeah. And um, I, haven't had, I haven't been turned down. 
So uh, I'm always sharing some message, and many times it's of the general conference talks. Yeah. I may not share uh, the title or the person giving it, but I give the message of yeah. it. Uh, the spoken word, many of those stories oh, yeah. I'll share, and I'll share them in staff meetings, uh, again, with the inmates. And, you know, I tell them about where my faith is, yeah. and they they can tell that. And, uh, you know, I say, well, you know, I know there's one person that can redeem us. Yeah. And there's always hope in that. And so I try to give, you know, the people that, um, and one, I'll tell you an instance, this, uh, I was at a female institution and the inmate, um, a female, we're working dialogue with other people coming from other institutions. So we're just setting up the room and how it should be laid out, et cetera. And, uh, the inmates always do the work. We just kind of direct them what okay. to do. So this female, you know, inmate was like, yeah, I think we should do this or that. And she was kind of speaking low. And I said, well, speak up. You know, what, what do you, I'll listen to what you have to say. I, I think a solution can come from anybody. doesn't matter what your position is. And uh, she, you know, shared it. And I said, I think you're right. That's what we'll do. So... You know, that was an instance, and then, you know, she asked me something of, well, you know, how many times do you give a person a chance, you know? to you know, I said, well, as many as it takes. Yeah. You know, you just, there's another chance. You, every per, every day we make mistakes, okay? Well, I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah. Is, you know, we get, we get another chance. Right. And then, therefore, we should be allowing other people to have that second chance, third chance, however many chances it takes. So, What an opportunity for these inmates to have you there. I mean, it's like you're there on a mission every day sharing the gospel. It's pretty incredible. And to be able to help give them hope for, with the long game, yeah. you know, that they, have, they can see beyond this life, and they may have to be incarcerated, but they still can have hope that, that this isn't forever, and the cho- choices they make that can improve. I mean, that takes a special person to do that in a prison. I think that's amazing. I can see why your job brings you so much joy because it's, it's a lot of purpose. Do, do you get to, like, let's say a person's been released, have you ever been able to continue your relationship with one of those inmates, or does it kind of end once they leave? Um, most of the time it ends, um, but I, I do have a number of them that will call back. Really? Yeah, they'll they'll call back to the institution. I, I you know, I do not want them to call me at home. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. that's not the right relationship to have. But they will call back to the institution, and it's been really good to hear, you know, how they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, let me tell you a story. Yeah. It, I, it was really good. I was went to Carmax. Pam and I went to Carmax, and it was during COVID. It was like 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. You know, all the lockdown, but. COVID looked like McDonald's. I mean, excuse CarMax looked like McDonald's. Okay. You went in there at lunchtime, people were just loaded in there. And we just went in there to get a uh, offer on our car that we were selling. Okay. So we're like, you know, this is too busy. I'm not really interested in waiting. We're, we're not in a hurry to sell, yeah. etc. But they called us up to the window and says, hey, we, you know, we'll process this. Go wait in the back. In the corner of my eye, I noticed a lady that's got, I think she had three kids, a toddler and one in a, you know, stroller, and I think she was pregnant. And I'm like, why is that lady looking at me? Yeah. You know, I could tell she was looking at me. 
And uh, I said, oh, boy. No, oh boy, right. another woman yeah. loving my looks. Oh boy. Another woman who's going to jump on top of me. Sorry. No, well, I hope Pam is with woman. me. So I don't want that at all. I'd be in trouble. So, we, you know, we went back, and next thing you know, she goes back to this, you know, kind of like a holding area, it's a waiting zone. And she sat down again, she has her kids, she speaks up to me and says, Do I know you, sir? And I did say, Oh boy. You know, I, this could be somebody I terminated or, okay. you know, what, that's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, yeah, because we, we've been terminating a lot of people through COVID, weren't showing up work, et cetera. I said, uh, I don't know if you know me. I work in the Department of Corrections. She goes, that's how I know you. And then I really said, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, this is uh, uh, an ex-employee. Turns out she goes, I was with you at Goochland. I said, oh, Really? She goes, you may not remember. I don't look like it. I did then. I was an inmate. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, I think you do look familiar. And she says, you know what? The one, one of the things that I, you know, I appreciated about you is you came around and you were always uplifting. That's awesome. You saw the good in us and you don't get that. She, she talked about how she's, you know, married now, has got a couple of kids, and as I saw, and she's, you know, having a successful family. She's living up in Goochland, and um, she says she sees staff from time to time, and they, there's some of them that she was like, yeah, you didn't have positive things to say, yeah. and here I am doing good. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like shame on you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good whenever I can see or hear from somebody that are making it. Yeah. And it is, it's just good. It brings back to, you know, the scripture of how worth the soul is. Yeah. And that people can change. Very much so. Right. You know, it's the old attitude, you know, you plant the seed, you don't always see the tree grow, but somebody else is enjoying the benefits of of your planting the seed. And uh, that's, uh, that's, you don't always get to, to hear the success stories, but they're out there and it's great when you do. Well, so my next question, I almost feel like you answered it from your last story because it's, what do you consider one of your greatest achievements in life? Um, You know, it does have a lot to do with just being a purposeful work, but I will say when I think of this question, it's ongoing. It's not an achievement, you know, that moment I achieved this. It's, you know, I, I feel it's an achievement to be active in the church. Yeah. To have a strong testimony of the Savior and our Heavenly Father's plan that, you know, my parents were married in the temple, raised us righteously the best that they could. Um, I think that Pam and I did the best that we could in raising our children. They are married in the temple. They are raising their children, not just to be, you know, participating in church, but being active with their testimonies. Yeah. And that to me is the achievement. And it's, you know, it's ongoing. It's every day is trying to work that achievement. And conference was evident of that today. Of yeah. It is every day that we get to partake, as a, the sister spoke last night, we're partaking of that fruit each and every day. Yeah. You know, and we don't stop because that's our goal is that celestial perspective yeah. that we're trying to have. So that's what I would say the achievement is ongoing. That's awesome. 
that's awesome. That's a great. That's a great thing. I so so many things you talked about. I I'm reflecting. I could hear them in conference in a in a way. Some of the things that you're saying, and that we we don't give up on people. We play the long game, and uh, and I think it's Jeffrey Hall. And I never can quote this exactly, but you know nothing we can do can descend below the power of the atonement to save us. And that is, you know, that's a great thing when you're working in a prison to have, to have that perspective that everyone's a child of God and different people have different circumstances. So thank you so much for sharing that. Before we end, I wanted to ask you one last question. It's the one we ask everybody. Um, what is the one thing you want your posterity to know about your testimony of Jesus Christ? I have to say is through this podcast tonight, it's about repentance. It's every day becoming better. You know, yesterday we can't change. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it present. And, you know, that's what I want them to know. My testimony of Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer. And that through our faith in Him and our broken heart and contrite spirit, we can return and live with Him and our Father in Heaven with a family eternally. That is what I want them to know. Every day is a blessing to improve your life and walking in his footsteps. I love that, Eric. Boy, you have lucky a lucky eight grandchildren. They're going to get to hear that, and it's going to be recorded. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you to everyone else for joining us today on the Gate and Ward podcast, A Page in My Journal. We look forward to meeting with another member of our ward, And maybe we'll be one of these listeners that's out there. We hope it's you. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.